Welcome to The Tailored Quill. I'm Taylor Wilkins, and I hope you enjoy today's perspective. Hey everybody, welcome back. Have you ever sat on a beach or a mountain or maybe high up in a building and just stared at the horizon line? For those of you who don't know what the horizon is, it's like literally the end of our visual field, our physical visual field. From where we're standing, it is as far as we can see, and it looks like it's where the sky meets the earth, right? And a lot of people just look at the horizon and actually find a lot of calm in it. And we can imagine, I mean, it's where the sun rises from, it's just to, to us as a frame of reference, or it's where it sets. So this, the horizon is sort of like this physical marker of time passing. But also things like sunrises and sunsets are beautiful, beautiful experiences to see, just wondrous experiences to see. And so we use the horizon as a frame of reference, either for time passing or just being able to look beyond ourselves, seeing to our limits of what the world looks like in front of us. But also we use it as a frame of orientation. You know, in airplanes, there's literally a dial on the dashboard in the cockpit or the pilot's cockpit that lets you know how off tilt, like how off angle you are from being flat on with the horizon. And so that would indicate, or at least that's a judgment of how off balance the plane is. Similarly, pirates or people who are out in boats. I mean, I like using the word the pirates because I just think of Jack Sparrow who says something about seeking the horizon in Pirates of the Caribbean. But just explorers, you know, even just fishermen, people who go out and spend their day in the open sea are always looking at the horizon. But particularly people who are navigating, people who are uh, exploring, they're using that as orientation to know where their direction is, what's on the horizon, what do they see coming at them, what direction are they facing because of the sun. And so the horizon helps them orient, just helps them know where they are, helps them feel safe or helps them feel directed in some kind of way that their environment somehow has a structure and a frame of reference that they can feel safe and directed and know where they're going. So why am I talking about horizons? Some of you might already be making the leap, but I'm talking about the correlation between the horizon and our beliefs, our limiting belief systems. I'll tell you how in just a minute, but for those of you who don't really know or haven't heard the term limiting beliefs before, it is a super trendy term in the personal development world because limiting beliefs are beliefs and thoughts we have in our minds, deeply, deeply rooted in our minds that hold us back. That's all they do. They limit us. They constrict us. Now, if you've never heard the term limiting belief, it's also the thing that leads to uh, or is expressed as negative self-talk. So if you have been to therapy before, if you've ever worked with a coach and you've talked about how hard you are on yourself or how you speak badly to yourself, your self-talk is really negative or limiting, it's because there's a limiting belief 
behind that talk that makes you feel a certain way about yourself. And that holds you back. And so even though the majority of, I mean, all of (laughs) therapy and coaching and any kind of personal development work is geared toward addressing, understanding, and rewriting those limiting beliefs, a lot of people do that work or try to do that work without knowing where the beliefs even come from. And I don't mean, you know, you'll figure out in the process of working with a coach or a therapist, whether it, you know, it came from your family or it came from experiences from your upbringing, like you'll figure out literally where it came from, literally how that belief was written in your mind. But what really a lot of people don't think about is like why we even have limiting beliefs to begin with. What's the point? Whether they're limiting or not, why do we have beliefs? Why have we created beliefs or adopted beliefs that now dictate our lives? And so let's zoom out to that level. As, and I'm going to jump around a little bit, but I promise I'm going to bring it all together. As animals, because that's all that human beings are, spoiler alert, we're not that special. We're just another form of animal. We are always, always, always seeking some form of homeostasis. Now, For those of you who don't know homeostasis, uh, homeostasis is just the biological state of things being in balance. For instance, like you're, you know, in a classic, very, very, very surface level example is just like your weight and your home hormones and your sleep schedule and your nutrition, everything is in balance, then your body feels good. There's a form of balance and homeostasis and consistency because our brain's And our evolution love consistency, love predictability, love to know that we're safe. We have things under control, okay? And so we're always trying to get to that state because when we're in homeostasis, not only are things balanced and and we feel safe and consistent, but we can also operate and function to our maximum potential in that state. Nothing's really holding us back. And so... Like I said, though, either when we're, if you're using the metaphor of the horizon, like when the horizon is helping pirates or explorers orient and navigate, or if you're thinking about homeostasis, which is just finding a place of balance, we often need mentally, we often seek some form of mental orientation, mental frame of reference for who we are, what we're doing with our lives, and why we're even here. You know, why are you a person? Why are you an individual? Why are you a human being? Why are you living where you're living? Why are you doing what you're doing? Who are you as a person? What's the self? All these deeper existential questions, we need some form of frame of reference for that to feel like we're actually a person. Put it very simply, we need a little bit of containment and structure to our existence. The extreme of this is when people are like, they need an identity, right? So the classic example of this is someone who really, really attaches hard to their job title, right? Job titles give us a sense of structure. It gives us a frame of reference for who we are, what we're doing with our lives, what we do to make a living, 
and potentially what value we think that we bring to the world or other people, right? So a job title gives us a sense of identity and we want identity because it gives our existence a little bit of a container. So we know why we're here <laughs> to begin with and we're not just kind of floating in space, right? And so that sense of orientation, like people use the horizon for, is what we try to do with our thoughts or is what we try to create with our thoughts, with our imagination and our belief systems. So belief systems are adopted thoughts, right? Belief systems are taught to us that we choose, whether we know it or not, to adopt. These beliefs form some kind of image in our mind. In this case, an image of who we are. Or an image of <clears throat> if we have value. If we have worth in the world. Now, if we go back to my original question, which is where do beliefs come from? Like, why do we even have them to begin with other than what I just said, which is that we need to create some kind of frame of reference in our mind of who we are and what we're doing. It is very, very well known that we adopt our beliefs from other people in our environment when we are younger. Oftentimes it's our family members who are just simply teaching us, whether it's explicit or whether it's negative, whether it's positive, whether it's healthy, whatever, we are being taught things from our parents or our family members or whoever our caregivers are when we're young. Now, our parents were taught things from their parents. This is the classic kind of like, you know, ethnographic anthropology kind of concept of we're constantly passing down stories to the next generation. That's just what human beings do. Elders pass them down to the next level or the next generation, and that generation passes it down to their children. So we do this unconsciously. Every generation has their own imprint or idea in their mind of how their children or how they think their children ought to live to be healthy or successful. And so they, our parents were taught by their parents, whatever their template was. Then our parents try to teach us through whatever template or lens that they create. Now, what's really cool, in my opinion, to think about, even though a lot of the beliefs that arise for 99% you know, of the population are limiting and negative and oftentimes unhealthy, what I think is really cool is that no matter what your parents taught you and no matter what our parents were taught by their parents, everybody always has a choice. You can either totally adopt those beliefs of how to live your life and who you are in the world and live out, live that out and then teach that to your kids exactly as it was taught to you. <clears throat> Excuse me. There are a lot of examples of that. Or as parents, you can become aware of like what your parents were trying to teach you and then you can teach something different. 
You can choose to teach something different. But no matter what, something is being taught to the children. No matter what it is, something is being taught that is forming a belief. Now, the part that sucks is that we adopt those beliefs. We are responsible for taking those beliefs on. For lack of better words, it's our fault. We are taught them, we accept them, but we are accepting and adopting those beliefs when we are way too young and unaware. So we are defenseless to them because we, are, we adopt these beliefs when we are still so dependent on other people, on our caregivers, on learning from others how we're supposed to behave in the world and show up and who we are. And so by the time that college comes around or a little bit after and every single person starts to realize or starts to assess whether they're actually interested in the things they're interested in and start to ask questions about their fulfillment in life, that's the point where you can start building those defenses and make changes if you want. That's the point where it's easier to find out what your beliefs are and what you want to do with them. And more importantly, how those beliefs are holding you back. <coughs> so if you think, <clears throat> I'm going to zoom back out, try to tie all this together. This is all because we are animals and we're all seeking some form of homeostasis and balance, right? Just like airplanes that are using the, the horizon to find that balance again so that they can fly smoothly and efficiently. All that we are ever doing in therapy or in the coaching world, when we are addressing our limiting beliefs and trying to rewrite them, is we're just recalibrating. We are, it's all a process of recalibration to find new homeostasis. Because if we, for instance, have a belief, which we all do, that we're not enough of something, we're not smart enough, we're not hot enough, we're not cool enough, we're not successful enough, we're not rich enough, whatever it is, we're always going to be held back from some kind of fulfillment and some kind of health and well-being and our version of joy and happiness that we want to achieve. And so that sense of well-being and joy and happiness is the homeostasis we're seeking. It's the balance. It's the relief, right? It's that relief that comes from the frame of reference, the image in our mind of, ah, okay, this is what life is. This is how I'm supposed to feel. This is nice. But the only image we've adopted in our mind as structure for how life is supposed to be lived limits us. So that's why we have to go through this process of recalibration. We have to go through this process of recognizing what the belief system is, how it originated, whether it's from a family member or an event that you experienced growing up, something that you were taught in school, whatever it might be. And then seek to not only shift the emotions around that belief, but also shift the self-talk, shift the actual script of that belief. 
but I want to make, make it clear through this conversation that on the highest level, we have beliefs as a frame of reference. That's why they exist for who we are and what we're doing in the world, what we're doing with this life. But number two, that it's always that everything about your personal growth, everything about your evolution, everything about your mental health and your sanity and your happiness is a process of recalibration. Our parents recalibrated what they had learned from their parents and their parents before that, which means that we are always in a process now of recalibrating what we have been taught from our parents, what we want to do with that information and with those beliefs. And most importantly, what are the consequences of those beliefs? If we maintain the limiting beliefs, the negative beliefs, and we continue the negative self-talk, we continue to hold ourselves back, we continue to keep ourselves from healthy relationships, we continue to keep ourselves angry and dissatisfied and dreading, dreadful in our work, in our career, then there's such a negative downstream of that. But if we recalibrate, if we understand our beliefs, we recalibrate and rewrite those beliefs, it can open you up to a totally new possibility for your life. When I used to work with suicidal children, they got to that point of, of either choosing suicide or coming to this crisis program where I worked because they had the beliefs in their mind that they had no value, they had belief in their mind that life was never going to get better. And they had the belief in their mind that suffering was the state of life and that they were never going to be able to do that unless they fully escaped it through death. And so by recalibrating their thoughts and their emotions and their beliefs and just in the most basic, simplistic way, helping them understand where it all came from helping them understand the narrative and the story behind that image in their mind. They were able to unlock a totally new image. That's why this is such a creative process. I talk about this with clients all the time. You're able to suddenly unlock this new palette of paints and a totally new life is possible. But you have to understand, address, and recalibrate those limiting beliefs that you unknowingly adopted when you were younger before you can take that new palette of paints and just have a heyday happily, healthily, and creatively designing your new and healthy and happy future. Hey, 
Hey everyone, Taylor here. Thank you so much again for clicking and listening along today. As a reminder, if anything from this episode resonated deeply with you or relates to any stress or pain you might be experiencing, head to my website, the link is in the show notes, and contact me for a free full-length coaching session. Not only will we gain an enormous amount of clarity on what you're experiencing or what you're hoping to experience, but also we'll give you a strategy, like a first step, first little step that you can take that's going to make a huge difference to relieve your stress and your overwhelm and your confusion. So if you're interested in that and what we talked about in these episodes resonates with you, please go ahead and contact me to schedule your free session. In the meantime, take care, be kind to yourself, and I'll talk to you soon.